Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm Sam Stanish. I'm Mike Lawless, or or Michael Crawford Lawless. Haven't figured out the intro or the way to introduce my name either. Um, but we're only on episode. Hell yeah, three. yeah, we'll get it. We're I mean we're getting closer and closer to the what the intro. Um, yeah. I'm a super fan. I've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer a billion times. Mike's never seen it, and that is you know the setup of the show. I figure that should be in, somewhere worked into the intro eventually um yeah mike what's going on what's going on it is kind of like an overcast day here in new york and it's the day of the new york city marathon so it, it's a running atmosphere going on today um and i participated by not actually being in the new york city marathon but i did go for a run today um so that was my contribution um and yeah things are good we got back from sort of like a midweek trip last week um we were in baltimore uh staying with our friends but yeah that's what's going on that's 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 what's going on yeah same here i'll be paying homage to the spirit of running after this podcast we're both running a half marathon next week and uh neither of us are prepared and so we're gonna be doing our best uh a week from today of recording but sunday of the week this episode will come out and yeah i mean those are the main things we talked we went to baltimore went to a survivor event uh hung out with some pals and now we're home i, I mentioned this to you but it was kind of like we had like a weekend in the middle of the week and then we came home to a weekend it was great true it was like sort of like the vibe of staying at a hotel almost because we were staying at our friend's apartment but they both worked in person so we were just like in this new space all week just figuring out how we we worked in a new space and it was fun yeah it was um okay yeah so we're here to talk about season one episode three of buffy the vampire slayer erroneously but prior to this i had been calling it the witch it's just witch uh, and we are blessed and so thrilled to have our first guest ever on Buffy Boyfriends. It's also, first time we're not in the same room recording Buffy Boyfriends because our guest lives in Canada. And she is the incredible host of one of my favorite podcasts, Bojack Horse Pod, as well as a host on the Kowski cast talking about Riverdale, as uh, hinted at in the first episode of this podcast about who our first guest will be. And she is the lovely host of the Hot Dummies on an Island, perhaps, feed on RHAP. Uh, it's the incredible, the kind, the caring Kirsten McInnes. Ooh. Oh my God. What a welcome. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I love silly teen shows, obviously, and Buffy is no exception. And I'm so excited to talk about it with you both. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, I this is I we were we were watching this episode with one of our hosts for the week, uh, Danny Hoffman. And he was like, this show is nothing like what I expected it to be. And I'm like, yeah, it's like literally just a high school show, but they're vampires. But like, what did he expect? I feel like this episode is exactly what I would expect from a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she is 16 in high school. Sure. I think that the title perhaps makes people think it's going to be a little more maybe like rocky horror picture show or that it'll be mm. all super like dark and brooding but i don't i don't know that it necessarily people leap from buffy the vampire slayer to cheerleading plotline 
Yeah, or she's like a working girl in her 20s who's got a side hustle of slaying vampires. Yeah. I would watch that show too. You're right. Yeah. Well, maybe that's <laughs> maybe once they get out of high school, that will be the next iteration of the show, the later seasons. I don't maybe. know. I've never seen it. Maybe. You have no idea. Me and Kristen, Sam do. <laughs> talk to us about your Buffy journey. Uh, I didn't even know that you... I don't know that I knew that you were a Buffy fan until you texted me about Buffy boyfriends. And you were like, I've been rewatching. And I'm like, rewatching? Yeah. So I, I don't know how much people on the internet know about this. So I was raised in like a super religious household. So obviously I was not allowed to watch Buffy when it was airing. Also, it aired when I was like five. So yeah. would be a this little weird. This episode aired like March 17th, two or 1997 mere days before my third birthday i was four yeah i was i was four uh so it obviously makes sense that i didn't watch it live but i also would not have been allowed to watch it when i was a little older if it was on reruns or whatever but i watched all of buffy and angel when i was in university and i borrowed my friend's dvds and then when it got to angel i would watch like disc one of buffy and then disc one of angel and then swap back and forth so that i could keep current on what was happening and uh yeah recently i was like oh hey this is on disney plus let me watch an episode and then my boyfriend also was enjoying buffy and so we've been watching a little bit we're sidetracked at the moment because we're watching avatar but uh you're really speaking my language (laughs) i know we just finished season two of avatar yesterday and we've watched a couple episodes of season three and i really want to just see how it ends uh and do that all day but that is not to be (laughs) season two of avatar is one of the greatest television seasons ever aired it's so good mike doesn't like avatar it's fine Uh, (laughs) um, see i I didn't think i did i didn't think i liked it because i started watching it in early 2020 uh and just could not get into it and then josh and i started watching it and i was like wait a second this slays uh <laughs> mike do you care to defend yourself you know i the episodes of avatar i've seen are enjoyable but i have decided it's not really a show for me i think i missed the zeitgeist like i think if i had watched it when it was on i would feel more nostalgia toward it towards it and be into it more but coming at it for the first time as someone in my late 20s um i just didn't feel as strong of a connection sort of like you earlier this year with when we watched jurassic park for the first time which is one of my favorite movies of all time um and like you said you said it was fine but more like what i'm talking about i didn't come at it from a childhood nostalgia point of view (laughs) i i I hope you'll find a way to throw that jurassic park take in my face every single episode <laughs> of the podcast oh wait did we talk about that last week too yeah or the week before i care because the there was a yeah. the director of the previous episode had been mm. an assistant director on jurassic park this is could be sort of like an unofficial bit for every episode <laughs> going forward things I don't we fight know about. If i've seen the first jurassic park wow oh yeah after I ask I every I guest uh, their their Buffy story, <laughs> I'll ask them what their thoughts are on Jurassic Park 1. Well, I mean, I, listen, I told you I grew up in a religious household. My mom did not believe in dinosaurs. So. <laughs> Fair. Uh, 
yeah so oh my god wait i wanted to say like when you got to angel you watched them like flipping back and forth that's amazing that's not i did not do that when i first was watching it watched buffy all the way through then angel all the way through um just what an experience that must be it was very it was very weird um i don't want to like say too much obviously but it's i feel like tonally the shows are quite different so it was very weird to go back and forth between them. I don't know if I would recommend that path. I think season by season, I think switching se- season of Buffy, season of Angel would make more sense if you want to like keep track of when things are happening. I get that. I Yeah, I mean, just not to speak in too many specific terms, the shows yes. don't really communicate as much as you might expect. No, them 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, big CW energy. Because... Yeah they did that with their own vampire shows in the mm. mid to late aughts um, the originals yeah vampire diaries and originals would cross over once a season and they would be bad episodes both times <laughs> i mean vampire diaries is like the rare exception where the book is worse than the like <laughs> media that's made from it wow i didn't even know it was based on a book series i i don't even there's yeah it's a trilogy as all vampire young adult novels are and i don't even really remember the show i never super got into the show i did not love it but then i read the books and i was like these are trash straight (laughs) trash like might as well be colleen hoover like not good i haven't engaged in a colleen hoover text just yet i think don't engage do not read it she's bad i'll have to read at least one just to see what the people are talking about (laughs) Yeah, no. gotta gotta keep up with book talk. <laughs> no, that's actually run away from book talk, is my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Okay, so this is season one, episode three, which, like I said, it was written by Dana Reston. This is her singular Buffy credit, but she was a longtime producer and writer and story editor on The Nanny. Kirsten, yes, have you ever seen The Nanny? God. Yes, The Nanny's so funny. I agree. I re I rewatched all of The Nanny right at the start of COVID. Yeah, it had they put it on Disney Plus uh, or something, and I I watched the first couple episodes again. But I you know I've never seen it like all the way through. But it's it is just very very funny. So funny. Um, this episode directed by Stephen Cragg. Also his singular Buffy credit, but he's a longtime working director. He had worked on shows and stuff before Buffy, and he like continues to work today. He did a bunch of episodes of Doogie Hauser, ER, Grey's Anatomy, Nashville, and How to Get Away with Murder. And he also has like one and two episode credits on a bunch of other shows. So he's like very put together directing wise. The working uh, man's director. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he is I the mean, working man. As yes. so far, I mean, I would say that of the people we've talked about in these crediting sequences, other than Joss Whedon, who obviously has a lot of credits, yeah. this man, Stephen Cragg, is probably the most successful of the people we've discussed. Well, and I feel like I recognize his name, which I normally don't recognize anybody's name. And I don't know why I do, like, because let me be very clear I'm not watching the credits of anything. I don't give the people behind the scenes their time. <laughs> I get that. I I think that going through the show, like, I feel like there are a lot of people who come back and work as writers and directors on Buffy. So I'm just trying to track that this time through because it's it's, Buffy's one of the shows that got me first fascinated in working TV and like understanding 
all the different jobs and stuff that people do to work in TV. Uh, and so as our below-the-line spotlight this week, we're looking at the art department lead man, Gustav Gustafsson, uh, who worked on uh-huh. 70 episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it seemed like he was working on it right up until he passed away, sadly, oh my God. in 2000. Mm. Yeah, because, uh, like, he I mean, he must have worked on every single episode. And then this one, I, I was just very intrigued by the witch room and i mean obviously he would have put that together so wanted to find out more about him and he i mean buffy was his main credit he worked on like some other movies called warlock the armageddon cabin boy and night of the demons but buffy he did a really long time so it was just appreciative of his work what does a lead man do i think that's just like the kind of like the art director just like the person in charge of the art Mm. department of course, his vision and it's good i feel like hey i don't know if i'm that engaged with like the fan community around buffy but i think of this episode as an iconic episode would you agree with that i you know i don't know if i think that it is just being one of the first episodes out and it introduces us to our first villain that isn't a vampire i think that there are a lot of things going for it i think it's passable as far as episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer go. Yeah, I'm not saying best episode, mm. an iconic episode. <laughs> sure, yeah, I mean, it's Buffy in the cheerleading uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the shot of the cat uh, from the theme song that Mike was very interested in. Yeah. finally saw where the cat came from. Mm-hmm. I couldn't Spoiler, believe you didn't remember the theme song, by the way. I was horrified. I know. That was, <laughs> that was pretty bad of me. Uh, now, I, now it's like lodged in my head that i need to pay attention to the theme song every week it comes on i don't know how you can not pay attention to it it is just so good it's so fun you're right i i I enjoyed it and now i'm always gonna have that cat to look for at least in season one i'm guessing that the little montages they show in the credits will change every season depending on who's in the cast what they've filmed give you a little tease to look out for yeah we'll see maybe i me literally not remembering like i can't even try i have no idea (laughs) easy for you not to spoil some things if you're not uh (laughs) if it's not burned into your skull like me um okay moving on to our imdb deep dive this episode i was uh looking through the casting crew and was fascinated by you know there's i actually in doing these segments this week i realized there's kind of a blurred line between below the line spotlight and imdb deep dive maybe merging them who knows but uh i was really fascinated by the assistance of this episode uh robert price the assistant to david greenwald mark d alpert the assistant to gareth davies and george snyder the assistant to joss whedon Um, And going through them, Robert Price has now started going by R.D. Price. And he was the assistant to David Greenwald for 56 episodes before becoming an associate producer when Angel started and then went on to direct two episodes of Angel. Uh, Lovely story. And then Gareth Davies' assistant, uh, Mark David Alpert, has been a very successful uh, producer, co-producer, Angel, Buffy. He worked as production manager, and like he, he's still working. He's a producer on Young Rock right now. Uh, so he had a very successful experience working under uh, Mark uh, Gareth Davies, who is a producer this season on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and David Greenwald is the, a co-executive producer. Uh, and so moving on to George Snyder, Joss Whedon's assistant, 
to Joss Whedon. Not of course. George, George is probably a very nice guy. George probably suffered a lot. Yeah. It seems that way. He was the assistant to Joss Whedon for 29 episodes and has oh. never gotten another credit in the entertainment industry. Oh, yeah. damn. Just th- that's thought that was good. interesting compared to the other assistants who worked on the show. Who knows damn. what the storyline is there behind the scenes? Joss ran this guy mean. out of the entertainment industry. That's how it seems to me. Honestly, yeah, he probably brought the wrong coffee and it was over. Unfortunately, there are several George Snyders on Instagram, so I can't <laughs> I can't find him. I don't know what happened to him. George, oh, well. if you're listening, you have a an open invitation to to join the Buffy boyfriend pod. Yeah, speak out. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so we're here, the witch, or not, I. you know, it, it's so strange to just say witch. It really feels like it should be the witch, but it's not. Um, so the opening scene, we get Giles being like, I can't believe you would do this. It's so stupid. Like, just like, he can't, he's not impressed with Buffy's decision-making. And so we cut to Buffy, and she's in her cheerleading uniform, and she's like, it's going to be fun. Isn't it so colorful? Yeah. So Giles isn't impressed with Buffy and I'm not impressed with Giles. This is uh, quite the way to open the episode with him having a little sexist tirade against Buffy. Yeah, I feel like this is very late 90s <laughs> that you would have this specific scene the way they're describing it. I'd- not Giles' best moment. I agree. It's tough because I feel like Giles really proves his worth in this episode, but to open it with this not so great stuff from him was not fun. I mean, that we're we're establishing the relationships here a bit more. Obviously, Giles is going to be hoity-toity, and you need to be focused on being the Slayer. Uh, and Buffy's is like, I'm a teenage girl. I mean, this is the same man who was like, you don't need your textbooks. Let me give you this vampire book with no like prompting. Right. So this adds up. He thinks that it should be all slaying all the time. Yeah. he. I mean, he's basically saying, Buffy, you need to drop out of school and pursue this full time. <laughs> yes, literally. Well, how would she explain her presence around the school if she were to drop out? Because this principal, he's got his eye on Buffy. So if she were to drop out. And he saw her walking around campus. Could be red flags. Giles would have to quit his job and work at the public library. <laughs> <laughs> it's his only skill. His set only option. <laughs> so yeah, she wants to be. She wants to have a happy, normal social life like she enjoyed back in LA. Okay, first, like how it. So she was a cheerleader back in her LA high school, but mm-hmm. here in Sunnydale, there's like. 16 girls training every single day to be cheerleaders and so Buffy doesn't even make it on I I it seems like they're you know lower standard for Buffy's LA high school cheerleading wise well LA is so cool you can do so much else besides cheerleading they probably Mm. all had full social calendars but maybe in Sunnydale this is like how you spend your time cheerleading we saw her do so many gymnastics the previous two episodes you'd think she'd be a shoo-in well, they don't have the gymnastics budget anymore, so they couldn't <laughs> have her do that for cheerleading. Definitely. Well, so yeah, they fired that body double. Probably, <laughs> yeah. They couldn't. They couldn't do any more acrobatics. Just uh, slamming into walls now. <laughs> um, 
so they go buffy and willow and xander go to the gym for the cheerleading tryouts xander being a real perv as per usual bad. this is the worst yet this is like a bad one-two punch to start out the episode between giles and xander yeah i had all of the segments written down like oh it's gonna be so hard to come up with something for all of these things and then i was like oh the whole episode is actually xander slander yeah. he's just yeah. like hachi machi <laughs> like the entire time Limit do you think that's how joss whedon speaks normally is is xander the joss whedon of the show universe he is and i would probably mm. say that uh since xander has his lines being scripted for him he's a bit more clever and funnier off the cuff uh i would predict i hope yeah i i had that feeling watching this episode back i was like oh this is a self-insert for joss whedon and why did we all think like i feel like when watching buffy like 10 years ago it was not as obvious how crappy Xander is than it compared to now. I mean, I feel like we were a lot more used to seeing this kind of character. And mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore on TV. But in the 90s, it's like he's just like the funny friend. And he like that's like he's like he's he's a dork and he's a nerd and he likes girls. He's a teenager or whatever. But he's a freak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's bad. Um, don't model yourself off of Xander. No. So far, the only person we should be modeling ourselves off of is Buffy, I think. Willow's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, what's wrong with Willow? But then, yeah, I guess she hasn't really done anything. Yeah, I think she still (laughs) has a growth arc before we want to emulate Willow. Like, maybe season two Willow will emulate her. Could be. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) Who knows? Growth arc incoming. We're predicting it. Uh, So, during during the tryouts... Well, for... Wait. Before the tryouts in that scene, does Xander give her, is this where he gives her that bracelet? Yes. Yes. So like, I'll be yours forever or something. Yours I, truly. What, would, what did it say? It, I think it said yours forever yeah. or yours always. Yes. Creepy. Uh, and he's like, oh, it, it just came with that. No, you could buy something else that doesn't come with that if you really aren't a freak. Or do you think yeah. he got it engraved specifically with <gasps> yours truly to give to Buffy? I think he, I think I think that that is the implication where he's like, oh, they all came with that. Uh, or, mm, I don't know. Maybe I don't, it's, it, you know, it's up to the interpretation. I think either scenario is bad. Yeah, just get something else. Maybe he stole it from his mom and it was like a meaningful gift that his dad gave his mom. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't love this. Uh, it's a little too forward before you've even asked her on a date. You're giving her silver. Yeah, but he doesn't want to ask her on a date. He wants to just be like, oh, I'm giving you this bracelet and now we're dating, but you don't know it. Excuse me? No, absolutely Mm. not. Well, we do know his last relationship was with Willow when they were five. So maybe that's how it worked when he was five. He just gave Willow a bracelet that said yours truly. And then they were dating. That does sound like five years old. I agree. I mean, there's there's no defending this. Yeah, it's not good. Um, so during the trials, they're watching it, and this woman is doing her thing. She's going off cheerleading wise, and oh yeah, they were like, 
there was like a lot of gossip amongst the girlies trying out for the cheerleading like mm-hmm. oh this girl amber she was almost a laker girl she yeah, she, she turned, turned them down. down yeah so she just wanted a, a low-key high school cheerleading opportunity she didn't want the responsibility that comes from being a laker girl i yeah, feel she's... like being sorry don't no, go ahead oh no she just like she knows that going to school is just as important as pursuing her dancing career and so she wants to get her degree before you know moving on to other things yeah the lakers will always be there <laughs> wouldn't okay wouldn't being the girl who turned down the lakers make you like the most popular girl in school uh but instead we only see cordelia as like the popular girl i guess they value wealth over dancing talent mm, got it got it and yeah. i mean cordelia makes it on the team too so she does make it you're right i guess she's a da- she's a known dancing talent as well <laughs> she has it all <laughs> and she's maybe she'll get her license soon we'll see uh so she so yeah we're seeing this girl amber go off uh she's dancing and then like when you're watching it and you see like smoke start coming out of her pom-pom and you know the episode's about a witch you're kind of like oh my god she's doing a spell but <laughs> it's actually that her pom-poms have caught fire and willow's like oh my god she's on fire and cordelia is like okay quit with the hyperbole and then she's like no they're like she's actually catching a blaze and so buffy leaps into action takes down one of the hanging cloths in a gym can't a banner and like wraps her it around amber is like you're okay you're okay yeah i'm gonna say buffy did not do this as efficiently as she probably could have at least the way that i saw it on the screen she like grabs the banner and like wraps it around this girl's like torso but it's her hands that are on Mm -hmm. fire so she like pushes her to the ground hands still on fire no banner around these on fire hands and then she starts knocking it out with her own hands she's it seems like she hasn't done this before i feel like this is the prime opportunity for stop drop and roll (laughs) true instead of just like standing there waving your arms that are on fire to everybody else yeah literally and then yeah and so but much like um survivor somebody burning their hands off does not stop them from going forward with the events well, wasn't he, <laughs> he was out right it did stop them from going forward well it stopped this one person much like survivor oh, right. but the rest of the team you know we're still gonna do tryouts mm. do you think the girls were happy to see this turn of events like the Laker yeah. girl, she's not in contention anymore. I think they're thrilled because now there's one more open spot. Yeah, I think the only unhappy person is the captain of the cheerleading squad who wanted this Laker girl on her team and now will not have her. Yeah. And so but and so during this scene, we also meet Amy, Amy Madison, who uh is this girl that Willow knew in middle school and like it seems like they've sort of not kept hanging out Mm -hmm. um but it's like she is also trying out for cheerleading and she is i don't know she's like she's it's it's very clear that she's not like necessarily here because she wants to be here but she trains every day for six hours with her mom three hours in the morning three hours at night to be a good cheerleader uh she really wants to be on the team to please her mom yeah uh that's a lot of cheerleading training a full 
that's like what a quarter a quarter of your day spent training cheerleading a, qu a quarter of your full waking and sleeping day yeah like of the whole day that's a quarter of your time because like if okay so she's doing three hours before school probably leaving for school at like 7 30 she has to shower after training so she's probably starting training at like 4 a.m uh going to school then she gets home from school at like 3 30 they train till 6 30 and then she has to do homework like this girl's got a full plate and she's not even that good at cheerleading yeah it seems like they're they're working harder and not smarter yes absolutely definitely but then i guess i guess i'm just not understanding the logistics of the body switching like how often is because this this to people who are listening along and not watching amy is the girl whose mom is the witch and has switched bodies with her every once in a while or is like trying to switch bodies with her permanently and then sometimes amy's the mom and then it seems like sometimes she's not and then it's unclear like if 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 Amy's mom is so good at cheerleading and Amy's training so much, shouldn't Amy's mom be taking over as the cheerleading? Well, like well, yeah, maybe Amy's body is not where she needs it to be for her mom to do her superior cheerleading tricks. So the training is to like, okay, we got to get you ready so that I can start doing these Laker girl backflips. Yeah, and Amy's mom doesn't want to be the one training she just wants to like get the glory of amy yeah. being on the team so the way i took it is that amy and her mom have been swapped for some time um and now it's they're just always switched and so when she's like oh, i'm training with my mom it's like she has her mom's brain and is doing what her mom is telling her to do but her body is not naturally inclined towards cheerleading and also she's obviously starving i have a feeling that it's a lot of broth going on not gonna really build muscle uh on broth and then like the actual amy's just scared to not pretend to be the mom yeah i get yeah so so she is the mom the entire time but it's weird because i feel like in a lot of the scenes she's not written like that she's it's still mm -hmm. I, it, I feel like it wasn't fully thought through on how she should be behaving if she was going to be her mom the whole time. I think they wanted to trick us. They just really they did. didn't yeah. want us to know. They they tricked us, and it seems like they came up with this plot twist and didn't rewrite the characterization to really fit this. Yeah, mm -hmm. because, well, yeah, so they, she must have been Amy the She must have been switched the whole time because Amber caught fire, which means Amy would have cast a spell. And Amy mm -hmm. would only have done that if she was the mom. Yeah. But I just felt like if she was the mom, she would have been like super confident and like ready to go cheerleading wise. Maybe she had just switched like a couple days ago. I don't know. Well, I think she's like feeling insecure because Amy physically, like she has the, all of the brain memory of how to do it, but her body doesn't have the muscle memory of how to do it. So maybe she feels insecure and also doesn't want people to catch on. Definitely. And I, and I guess, I guess the implication is that she switched after middle school because that's when Willow, that's when mm -hmm. she like her and Willow stopped hanging out. Yeah. But I feel like it doesn't actually line up, but that is what happened. <laughs> yeah. Also to jump ahead a little bit to the Amy and Amy's mom dynamic mm -hmm. later in the episode, once we learn that the switch has happened, Amy, as her mom, like comes home and was like, 
I got a history paper due tomorrow, so start writing. So the implication is that Amy, as her mom, is just stuck at home all day, but also has to do all the homework where she's not like in school learning. So she's really self-taught. Wow. You're right. How would she even know what to write in the paper? She didn't she's even not get getting information. To, yeah, she's not getting to ask clarifying questions. Wow. If I was a witch, I would not be going to school every day. I would be like, <laughs> I, I don't know. No, that I, was those were her glory days. She just, she's, she's a witch with small ambitions. She just wants to relive high school. Yeah. So what, what's so wrong with that? Yeah, she peaked in high school. One of those horror stories. I mean, she's yeah. got a she's got a statue or like a trophy made after her image heart right is that the or is it just a cheerleading i think it's just trophy. a cheerleading trophy but it's but then her picture is mm. right there too and so then it, i feel like it makes she's like the prototypical cheerleader so she looks just like the trophy even though it's not designed after her god well i i never had my picture hanging in the the no. sports thing at my high school so Absolutely i don't know hard. what that mindset is like maybe if it was i could relate to this witch a little more um yeah so then after we see the spontaneous combustion the gang which we get at the first terminology for the group as a whole the slayerettes uh meet in the library and discuss spontaneous combustion they're like what can cause that uh and giles says you know sometimes anger causes spontaneous combustion was she angry they go through a couple of options for what that could be and they they're like well we have to look into this fire thing well and i like how at the start of the episode giles is so oh yeah this is like a normal thing that happens and we don't know why and then at the end of the episode it's like oh my god there's so many different evil creatures here at the hellmouth and i feel like that's a very weird disconnect too You know? And it's it's strange to just it's strange to just be like maybe she was so angry she exploded. <laughs> oh my god! But she was she wasn't angry. She was slaying the audition. Yeah, she was killing it. It's probably not that. Um, yeah. and we also got a little clip of somebody in a spooky room, uh, casting a spell over dolls uh, dressed like cheerleaders. Yes. A little spooky and actually that this is something that i remember from when i first watched the show i was watching this episode i was on the bus and i couldn't really hear the show so i was watching with subtitles on and in these scenes it's like it lists who's talking and it's like amy gives you like the oh. <laughs> um, line and so it's just like okay killing the just a spoiler yeah. Um, so that evening, Buffy returns home and tries to connect with her mom. But Joyce is like, I've got the first gallery opening. I've got all these boxes here. Like, I, I'm, she's not like listening at all to what Buffy's talking about. Mm -hmm. And there's a fun thing where Joyce is trying to open a box with a crowbar. And then she's like, can you try to help this? And Buffy just like does it really easily. Mm -hmm. And Joyce is like, sounds great, hon. And then Buffy's like, oh, yeah, definitely. What was I talking about? And Joyce is like, I have no idea. Well, at least Joyce will admit her mistakes um, and refocus on parenting in the moment. Why, why is everything getting shipped to their house and not directly to the gallery? I feel like this is a very inefficient way to run an art gallery. 
Well, they haven't built the gallery set just yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll be on the lookout for Joyce's gallery. Um, I'm sure it'll be good once it gets up and going. And I, I, Mike, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I feel like in the first two episodes, it, the contentious relationship between Joyce and Buffy was all the relationship was. And they kept, they were like, they didn't see eye to eye. And this episode was still about them not being on the same page, but there was still some nicer resolutions or like both of them trying to make uh, improvements to how they interact. Well, yeah, it's, you know, a clear parallel between Amy and her mom um, and Buffy and her mom, you know, Amy in the cheerleading scene, the tryout scene. She's like, oh, I, I train with my mom for six hours a day. And Buffy is like, oh, I wish I could spend that kind of time with my mom or we bonded over something. And, you know, B Buffy just wants to hang out with her mom. Yeah, they, she Buffy wants to have this good relationship with her mom, but it's also at the same time, it's not even that like she's Buffy's mom is such like a helicopter parent or like they're so intensely training, but like jo Joyce just doesn't trust Buffy. And like Joyce, when Buffy talks about cheerleading, Joyce is kind of like, oh, that's great. It'll keep you out of trouble. And Buffy says, I'm not in trouble. And then Joyce just like off the cuff is like, not yet. But and then that sort of sets them off for the rest of the episode. And listen, she's a single mom starting a new life, starting a business. I I kind of feel like though she's not being the best mom, she should get a little bit of slack also. Yeah, I think that's what Buffy's going through here where she's like, it's so tough to hear your parent criticize you in these ways. But I think Buffy also recognizes that she has put a lot of stress on her mom, especially over the last couple months and like yeah. still now just family trauma yeah they're working through it but it's not all healed up just yet no. um so the trials continue the next oh, oh yeah no. what were you gonna say i think this is a later scene so i'll save it till we get there <laughs> okay um trials continue the next day with group work during the routine amy falls and knocks over cordelia Cordelia, very funny. She says, that was her fault. You saw, right? Like, that was her. <laughs> we are, I'm actually really good at this. She knocked me over. Cordelia has a plan. She has a goal and she wants to achieve it. That's who she is. She's a, she's a girl boss and we stand. Yeah. Charisma Carpenter, so beautiful. <laughs> like, when I look at her, I'm like, she is. She's so funny. She's so talented. She's so incredible. I love Cordelia. I love, yeah, I love Cordelia. I love Charisma Carpenter. No notes. <laughs> yeah, she slayed every single second of every single shot she was ever in. Um, and so afterwards, Buffy and Amy talk. They they're outside the gym in front of the trophy case, and Amy's like, "My mom was Catherine the Great. She was this incredible cheerleading person, uh, and I hate my dad." He left a trailer trash when I was 12. Yeah. Um, she's stressed about not being able to compare to her mother's skills. Um, see, this is the part where I'm, like, unclear on... <laughs> like, I, it, it should just be written differently. If it's really mm -hmm. Amy's mom, it, she would just be acting different than how she actually did. Well, she's like, I've got all the... Like we were saying, I've got all the skills up here in my brain, but not in my body right now. Yeah. yeah, but I see your point, Sam, because especially like when she's talking about her dad leaving her, it sounds very much like, yes, okay, this maybe this is Amy's mom, possibly. Like, I think that's the first real hint of it. But then it's like, 
does she just want all of the teenage girls to think of her as this amazing mother and Catherine the Great? So then she's acting like, oh, I just want to live up to my mom. Like, I don't, I don't get it. You're really pointing holes in this episode, Sam. I feel bad. I don't mean to be. And I, I've never really <laughs> thought about it before. Never really gone deep on this uh, Amy mom switcheroony, but it, because it feels at the same time that they, it feels there's it feels like three different things are happening depending mm-hmm. on the scene. Like it's either they switched a year ago, or they're switching every once in a while throughout the episode, or it's been Amy's mom the whole time and they switched like a week ago. But I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't. I just don't think they're switching back and forth because I think. Well, Amy would literally run away from home if that's... they are not. But it just feels like when some of some of the mm-hmm. writing is like Amy, even though yes. it can't be. You're right. Ugh, so true. Confusing, but oh well. I'm sorry to this nanny writer for poking holes in the logic <laughs> of this episode. Um, well, didn't didn't you say that the main writer on this episode didn't write very many? Maybe that's why. This is the only Buffy credit. So. Yeah seems like they weren't pleased because <laughs> uh, I, I they do bring people back pretty regularly on this kind of thing um okay so willow comes up and talks about how they were friends in junior high and like Catherine is nazi like uh and i read on the buffy wiki in the german version that line is changed if you can believe it as it would be <laughs> Um, and like Amy's mom would always criticize them about like eating brownies. And like, if Amy's mom gains a pound, she would lock the refrigerator and nobody was allowed to eat that kind of stuff. If you're a witch, you just like cast a spell. This sounds bad. This is, this is all around very bad. Um, not vibing with Catherine the Great and what we're learning. Yeah. I don't know what Catherine the Great, the historical figure, was really like. Do you think there's any sort of parallel there? Was she known known as sort of a tyrannical ruler? So who is Catherine the Great, honestly? She was a monarch in Russia, and I know that Elle Fanning plays her in a Hulu comedy TV show. But I haven't watched. Wow. There's like a... It's very... I Interesting timing. It came out like right after the favorite um all off the favorite of like a comedy court 1800 show and nicholas, and nicholas holt plays basically the same character in the movie and the tv show as like kind of like an asshole oh. main male character i love nicholas holt well maybe you gotta watch the great I really like, and on the Wikipedia page for Catherine the Great, it says she came to power following the overthrow of her husband and second cousin, Peter the Third. Giving House of the Dragon. Yeah, very Targaryen. Second cousin, I feel like, is distant for the Targaryens. Uh, It is. Like sec- I think second cousin is just like normal Europe monarchy. <laughs> yeah, second cousin is actually pretty normalized throughout the Westerosi family trees as far as marriage goes uh not that we'll get into that here (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i also but also just like monarchs of europe that's why so many like all of them are related to queen victoria and then that's why speaking of russian monarchs alexi had hemophilia which he got from her and i think that's like a recessive thing so it comes from all the cousins marrying i don't know not you should definitely, that. yeah, it's not, it's not good stuff. 
Um, okay, so then after the scene with Amy and Buffy, Amy runs off, Willow comes up and is like, didn't find anything interesting about Amber, doesn't seem like it's her. And then we go to Cordelia in the locker room and, or no, we go to Amy in the locker room and she's like, is there something there? Like looking around and Cordelia is there suddenly and is like, if you messed up my chance to be on the cheerleading squad, I will end your life. Uh, do not approach me if I'm not on the team. I, what I love about this is she then goes to like slam the locker shut, but the locker doesn't close. And so it like slams shut and bounces back open. Yeah. She hit it with so much force. Yeah, it did not latch. Didn't even latch. <laughs> uh, at school, Xander is eagerly asking Willow if Buffy is wearing the bracelet he gave her before tryouts. Creepy, uh, creepy, yeah. creepy. Xander's talking about his crush on Buffy. He tells Willow, it's so cool. You're like a guy. You're like my girlfriend who knows about, or no, you're like my guy friend who knows about girl stuff. And Willow's like, bitch, I am a girl. <laughs> it's just Sad. not right. I think it does a, does a non-Xander edit exist of this series. I think you could lift him out without too much changing. <laughs> yeah, depending on the episode, yeah. I, I would, would be I would be interested in that to all of our uh, listeners. If you're you're looking to enhance the podcast, you can get rid of all the Xander parts for us. Please, we'll be waiting with bated breath. Um, <laughs> they go out to their external hallway. Loving these outdoor hallways at Sunnydale High. Wish wish I had more experience with this kind of thing. Uh, the cheerleading sign is getting posted. All of the girlies are running up to the board. Xander gets in there to try to read about what's going on, I guess. Cordelia mm -hmm. leaves the fray and goes up to Amy and is like, congrats. And then Amy's like, oh my God, I made it. And Cordelia's like, I made it. And so she's not going to have to kill Amy. And <laughs> uh, Xander comes back and is like, congrats to both of you. <laughs> uh, Buffy, Amy, you're on the team. Buffy, you're the first alternate, and Amy's the third alternate. Uh, and so they think they're on the team, and then they find out quickly that they're actually really, really not. Yeah, they're so stupid. Like yeah. to me, it seems baffling that someone would genuinely be this stupid. I think that it's intentional. I think that we're he, you know, we're being shown that he's a real buffoon. Uh, First in his, I mean, in his crushes on Buffy, and then we get the come up and Slater for him calling Willow a guy friend, like Buffy calls him like a girlfriend, mm -hmm. and so I think that you know he's just a real idiot. And even though, but in this scene, his idiocy makes Amy and Buffy feel worse than just not being on the team. They thought for a second that they were. Wait, so later in the episode when they're all like Buffy's practicing cheerleading, does something happen where? Do the, all the alternates practice the cheerleading routines with the regular team in case they need to jump in at the last moment? No. So, like, at, throughout the episode, as Amy is getting rid of people on the cheerleading mm. team, the alternates okay. are being are entering mm -hmm. the team. Got it. Got it. So, but they would have to train a little, people. right? I, I don't know, because they <laughs> later in the episode, they're training, and then they're i don't know they're distracted and then one of the cheerleaders is like we have the game in four hours so it seems like they're really they're going to be giving 
the day of they're practicing a lot for the mm. game got it i don't know wouldn't say that this is the most thought through plot wise of an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer I've ever seen. Okay. No. Uh, so then we see an unknown person in a witch room again, holding a cheerleading doll over a cauldron and is like, Cordelia, you're going to die. <laughs> kind of. Very scary. Um, and actually it was, it was, I didn't, it was interesting continuity wise. They did a good job. Like in the scene where Cordelia is, threatening amy in the locker room she's like holding this pink fabric or whatever and then like throws it in the locker and leaves and i was just like that was random and then in this scene we see like the pink thing is like wrapped around the mm -hmm. cheerleader and so it's like that's how she's doing the spell it's a voodoo but what was this pink ribbon for was it just in the scene so that amy I... would have something to bewitch it like, is, because it's not even necessarily focused on that Cordelia even has it. It's, like, at the very bottom of the screen on her hand. She's, like, holding it as she's, like, talking to her. Um, I think it's, like, a hairband or something. Okay. So, really, we're learning any anything can be used for voodoo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as long as there's a connection there, I guess. Yeah, you uh, have to have the doll that looks exactly like the person you're doing a spell on. And a thing of theirs. Mm -hmm. I just like to understand the in-universe rules and magic and continuity it's very important you love a hard magic system <laughs> I, th um, I think that this episode is not uh the one to give you that yeah well we this is i mean this is one of the baseline this is this is the third episode they this is sort of like a foundational episode for in-world magic it is. You're right. Very true. And that everything we've learned so far will be brought back and built upon, I'm sure. <laughs> or got to get in that chemistry classroom to do some magic. I mean, that, that's where the magic happens. Bunsen burner flame. Um, so the next morning before school, Buffy is eating breakfast when her mom is like, hey, maybe you could do yearbook stuff since truly didn't work out. Uh, and Buffy says, have you seen people on, on yearbook staff? Nerds make fun of them. There An was attack like a, on me personally, who was yeah. on yearbook. <laughs> That's, that was a, quite the harsh burn from Buffy on Joyce. Like, her mom is making an effort here. She is trying to bond with her daughter, find something that they can talk about besides Buffy's juvenile, like, criminal history. Um, and Buffy is having none of it. And I don't know about you guys, and maybe Kirsten, you're too close to the issue to really uh, know, but I feel like the yearbook staff of my school was like the cool artsy girls. It wasn't like dorks. Yeah. It was like, she's a photographer, she's a graphic designer, they're slaying the game. Um, I think that it was mostly just uh, overachievers who were trying to pad their uh, resume to get into university. And then me who was like, I should have a singular extra credit. <laughs> yeah, and know. so Buffy's just kind of like, I'm not you. Like, I can't, I'm not going to just do exactly what you do. Again, hitting this parallel between Amy mm -hmm. and her mom, clearly. Uh, just kind of being like, I'm going to live my own life. And that includes not doing your book because your book sucks. I also have to comment on this scene's weird prop usage um i don't know if either of you picked up on this but while this is happening buffy is toasting like one half of an english muffin 
she pulls it out of the toaster, puts it onto a plate, and then immediately takes it off the plate and puts it onto like a paper napkin and then puts the plate in the sink and then like walks out with the English muffin in her little paper towel. It's Very a dry, <laughs> dry, dry English muffin. Where is the other half? There's nothing. Listen, it, late 90s we had to be very strict with our calories so you can only have half of a dry english muffin and they were like clearly the editor or the director or whoever someone below the line above the line i'm not really sure where the line is mm -hmm. was like buffy's got to be doing something this needs to be an active scene like let's get her some props yeah i didn't notice this prop specifically but i have been noting just throughout some weird stuff going on with like characters being given stuff to do in the show or in the scenes like in this episode willow had that pen <laughs> that was like chewed up yeah and she used it as a metaphor and was like you're kind of like a chewed up old pen you're like there just and you're we're used to you being there and even though you're all chewed up we can't throw you out yet because we like you or whatever but like throughout she just like has it in her mouth the literally the entire time and then in the pilot episode buffy had a similar thing with a lollipop at one point where she just like was holding it there every single like for every single second until she had the line and she like pulled it out and then put it immediately back in the chewed pen was too much for me because it was, um, it was, it was at both ends. i'm wondering if and i don't know maybe if i maybe i have my like pop culture glasses on in the wrong way but i feel like maybe all of this scenes with supposed to be teenage girls with stuff in their mouth is like the creepy men working in children's television content that we know we're there it's not fake I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just it it just doesn't seem natural at all. Like, I don't think a, an actor would choose to be doing what they're doing unless they mm -hmm. were directed to do so. It's even in the in this episode later on with the 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 orange juice. I feel like was really weird too. So I don't know. I'm not remembering the orange. I mean, I, I'm assuming I'm assuming I know what, what scene you're talking about, but I'm not. I don't remember what they did with it. Well, it's just like Joyce she's making the orange juice with like the juicer but then there's like buffy drinks like one cup of orange juice that has like three drops of juice in it and then immediately also grabs the other glass and starts drinking it too which like i'm sure part of that is because she's supposed to be impaired or whatever but it's very strange that there's like the empty glass i don't know it's just weird i don't very strange um i don't know i i, I hope they cut down on these weird directing mm -hmm. decisions over the next couple episodes uh back at school xander and willow are talking and he's like okay i'm just gonna ask her out like here goes me charge and so buffy comes up uh and xander starts talking to her and like then cordelia walks through and she's like clearly mm -hmm. spellbound like behaving very strangely not talking to anybody just like walking around in a daze so Buffy's not even paying attention to what Xander's saying. And she's like, can we pick this up later? I need to go, like, see what's going on. Because, she like, Cordelia's not even going into her locker. She's, like, at somebody else's locker. And mm -hmm. is just, like, clearly doesn't know what's going on. She is obsessed with Cordelia. She knows which locker is Cordelia's. That's creepy on Buffy's end. You know, I, I'm generally team Buffy, but this is something weird to, for her to know. Do you think she has a crush on Cordelia? Because I would ship it, honestly. I was going to say the same thing. Maybe this is the first hints of, you know, a potential love affair between Buffy mm -hmm. and Cordelia. I'm shipping. I, I would ship that. 
I love frenemies to lovers uh, <laughs> ships, and yes. I love Buffy and I love Cordelia. And so if they loved each other, we would all love one another. And if they get Xander out of the picture, uh, the sooner the better. I hope so. Unfortunately, Cordelia's on her way to driver's ed class, and the driver's ed teacher was like, Cordelia, sorry if we kept you waiting, which was Mr. Vila. <laughs> uh, she gets in the, everybody gets in the car. Cordelia's like, I don't think I should be driving today. Like, I feel weird. And they're just like, we're doing it anyway. And Cordelia gets behind a car, the wheel mm-hmm. of a car. And she's failed driver's ed two times already. A passenger princess, iconic. She has a driver, I'm sure. She probably doesn't need a car. Yeah, 100%. But she she does not drive well uh, in this scenario at all. Although to continue the uh, commentary from last episode about the Super Sweet 16 uh, parallels to Cordelia, the big gift on the shows are getting a big luxury car. So what what is she going to do if she doesn't get her driver's license? True. Uh, True. I don't know how to directly connect this to a joke, but you said parallels, parallel parking, something's there. (laughs) She she definitely does not know how to parallel park. No, she can barely drive through cones because she's going (laughs) blind. Uh, We like she the car is clearly going wild. She drives through a fence in the parking lot. She gets out of the car. She's like in the middle of the road. This truck is barreling down the street towards her from very far away. Will not stop. (laughs) Cordelia is going to get run over. But Buffy like tackles her to the ground to safety. What was going on with that dude? Why did he just keep flooring it? Maybe his brakes weren't working either. Oh my god. Amy double I don't know how far the spell reaches. Well, and so Cordelia also screams right as the truck is coming up. And I'm like, you wouldn't be able to see the truck, but I guess she could hear it. Maybe she, because, well, maybe her vision was just blurred enough that she was mm. like still able to see a little bit, but like didn't know what was going on. But yeah, she yes. probably heard it coming on, felt it coming also. The, the scariest. Crack. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, the crash through the gate. That could have broken the spell. Oh. I don't know. But then at the end of the scene, we get the shot of Cordelia with her eyes, like, Mm. white. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so scary. uh, Work from Charisma Carpenter rolling the eyes into the back of her head, I'm sure. Maybe? Unless it was edited? Maybe. I don't know. How far can you roll your eyes back? I can put my eyes all the way back. Like, to make it look, like, fully white? (laughs) Oh my god. Ah, he's doing it. I don't like it. I could be Charisma Carpenter. Wait, so before we... I'm sorry, Kristen. Go ahead. No, I'm good. (laughs) I was gonna comment on the the driver's ad car. So when you guys did driver's ad, did your... The driver... The passenger side had a brake, too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So they they just didn't want it to be realistic for this show. They needed the drama. Yeah, that's an. There are so many plot holes in this episode. <laughs> Crazy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. The more I think about it, the less and less is as coming together as I usually would think. I feel like l- a lot of logical leaps 
were made for this episode. Still good, but a little to be desired after some real good stuff in the first two. Yes, absolutely. They're, it's still like building the identity of the show. Mm-hmm. Um. So like they go to the library and Giles is like, blinding enemies is a favorite trick among witches. So they're kind of like, okay, well, it's got to be a witch then. Uh, and they're thinking about who it could be, who might like be somebody taking people out, who have the targets been. It's everybody on the cheerleading team. Maybe it's somebody that way. And so they're kind of like, okay, well, maybe it's Amy then. She's been wanting to be on the team. And, you know, maybe she has this vendetta, the pressure of her mom. Uh, So Giles finds a spell to find a witch. And so in chemistry class, they're they're putting this potion together. And if they spill it on a witch, it turns blue. And it turned Uh blue. It did. Buffy's like, I'm going to just make it look like an accident. And I feel like she just literally walked over to her and was like, let me dump this on you. It was very obvious. I did like Buffy's like initial subterfuge to get Amy's hair where she was like, she went up to Amy and was like, which one is the hydrogen peroxide and which one is the whatever? And Amy says, it's the bottle labeled hydrogen peroxide. And she's like, look at the label it's a concept uh and (laughs) she's like oops (laughs) drops her pen uh you know prior to the bend and snap dropping a pen you know not not a known tactic either in flirting or in grabbing hair but she drops the pen she goes down she reaches into amy's purse and pulls some hair off of her comb and she's like i'm just gonna go back to my seat now and (laughs) She puts they put the hair in the potion, it like floats on top of the potion water. Uh, and they have to like push it down. Yeah, it was like too much hair. I, I wish they had, I wish they had thought it. I hair gross dead hair mm-hmm. is worse than seeing like someone with their mouth fully covered or with Cordelia's mm-hmm. like thing. Uh, Literally. but then it's like it's heated up. She goes to pour, she's like like Kirsten said, I'm going to make it look like an accident, pour it on her arm. It does turn blue, but Amy doesn't even notice because at the same time, someone else in the class, another cheerleader, suddenly has her mouth fully uh, like melded into the rest mm. of her face. Mike shaking your head no, not creepy. liking that. It, yeah. it was creepy. And Amy, like dead eyes focused on it, not reacting to it, clearly doing a spell. I don't know what's worse the mouth coverage or all the hair like that there was too much horror in this scene that's not what i'm here for (laughs) gross yeah so another Uh, cheerleader down yeah so now two cheerleaders have been eliminated um and so that means that buffy is on the team now she's on the squad uh amy goes home and She's like, do my assignment. Um, mm-hmm. And to her mom, who's like, just like this mouseish lady at home. And uh, at the same, and then we see her go upstairs with Buffy's bracelet. And she's like, going to do a spell. Why Buffy? Buffy's done nothing to you. It could be any cheerleader on the team. I don't know. Buffy was not very subtle in the end with her little uh, finding out who the witch is. So mm, true. 
Yeah. I think she's clocked Buffy. She's like, she's no good. She's out of here. She doesn't even practice six hours a day. She's not even serious about this. Doesn't care at all. Uh, Yeah. So the next morning, this is when Buffy's like perky and super excited. She's in her cheerleading uniform. She's singing Macho Man. She's walking around the kitchen. And Joyce is like, hey, like, sorry about yesterday. And Buffy's like, that's so in the past. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. I'm a vampire slayer. And Joyce is like, are you sure you're feeling okay? And Buffy says, absolutely. I'm so happy. Like that kind of stuff. Out of control. Uh, Joyce is trying to make the orange juice. She's trying to prove that she has time to be a mother, you know? Misguided, I think. Yeah, Buffy's not paying attention. Buffy is uh, in her own world. Yeah, another interaction where Buffy's just kind of like saying something about like being a vampire slayer, and the other person is like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly, she wants to tell somebody. <laughs> Not enough people know yet. Why can't she tell her mom though? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's like a a, a sacred uh, slayer oath that she had to take, or maybe it's like. Oh, I can't let my loved ones know because they'll be harmed first or whatever. Mm. Whatever they use in Joss Whedon superhero movies. Yeah, I would say that there hasn't really been a reason given that like other I mean other than Giles and like uh, it's like a secret thing, want to keep it a secret that this is happening and nobody can know, but like Xander and Willow know. Yeah. They found out instantly. If I was going to tell anyone I would pick Joyce over Xander. Absolutely. Easily. Uh, yeah, so then Buffy is at cheerleading practice. Xander and Willow show up. And Buffy's, like, doing the routine. But she's, like, doing a lot of extra steps. She's go. Like, it's a very interesting curse on Buffy. <laughs> she's super happy until she's really not. Um, and during the routine, like, there's this part where she's supposed to, like, help a girl do a cartwheel. But Buffy, like throws her into a wall because she's super strong. That's two cheerleaders down in that moment. Who's the fourth alternate? <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, and so Buffy is like out and now Amy's on the team and like Xander and Willow bring Buffy out of the gym and Buffy's like starts fading real quick. She's like starting to really looks like she's going to die. Uh, this is when Z- Xander and Buffy are talking, and Buffy goes, Xander, you know what I love about you? And Willow's like, we've got to get her to Giles. And Xander says, let's let her talk. Uh, <laughs> and she says, you're you're like a girl. You're one of the girls. Uh, that, and anybody else, any guy who gave me a bracelet, I would think that they were interested in me, but not you. You're my Xander friend. Wow. So it's really like this spell that was cast on her also has her just spilling her innermost thoughts to her friends. She has no filter and also ended Xander's life. Yeah, I think overall this is a good development. Xander now knows exactly where Buffy is coming from. And hopefully this will end any sort of pining from Xander towards Buffy. Yeah, beat him back for a little bit. Just <laughs> smack him to the side of the head. Get out, get away from me. Give me a couple episodes. Yeah. He was I mean, he was ready to ask her out today, so we really needed to push him back quite a lot. 
So we find that it's not just that Buffy's in this perky mood. There has been a spell put on her immune system. And Giles determines that she only has three hours to live. And he knows that the only way to get rid of this curse would be to go find the witch's spell book. Uh, and they're like, well, it's got to be somewhere, like somewhere safe and secret for her to cast her spells. Where could that be? And then it's like, oh, like, obviously it's going to be at her house. Yeah. Giles seems to have a lot of information about witchery. Um, where did that come from? Is he a witch? Maybe. In a previous I mean, he... life, a reformed yeah. witch, now a watcher? Perhaps. We know he has a bunch of books, so maybe he's read a lot about spellcraft. But he didn't even really know the simplest information about vampires last time. So yeah, maybe he has a backing in sorcery. Well, but also, like, what has he been doing this whole time waiting for his opportunity to be the active watcher? Why? He should know everything about all supernatural things. He should. But these nerds in their books don't have all the <laughs> field knowledge that they should have. Yeah, what a nerd. Uh, and so at, Giles and Buffy leave, and he tells Willow and Xander, like, secure the chemistry lab. We'll need it to cast our own counter spells. Uh, and he he goes with Buffy. And, you know, optics-wise, the teacher and a sophomore girl leaving campus uh, together in his car, not loving it. And, and you know, it's just they go to Amy's house. This is bad. It seems like when Buffy tries to leave campus, she's using Giles as his excuse, as her excuse. Because last week it was, I got to run these personal errands for Giles off campus. It's mm -hmm. the principal sort of sleeping at the wheel today in this episode. Yeah. Not really. Just like Cordelia. Does not have his eye. <laughs> she was Buffy. awake. She just couldn't <laughs> see. Blinded at the wheel, sleeping at the wheel. Similar. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they go to Amy's house and they're like, girl, your daughter's a witch. It's bad out there. <laughs> and Giles is like, let me inside. I'm coming inside. And they're like yelling at her. Buffy's on the couch. She's like fading, but she notices brownies on the table. And so as Giles and Catherine are talking, Giles is like, literally, it's bad. And Catherine's just kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Buffy's like, you're Amy. Like, I know it. And uh, Catherine's like, I am. It's me. Mm -hmm. How did oh. you know? She switched. She's a switch witch. It's like the I princess switch. switch. <laughs> or the princess switch, too. Iconic. <laughs> switched at Christmas? I can't remember. It's, uh, oh, wait, no. It's princess switch. And it's princess switch two. I think switched again. And then I don't remember what Princess Switch 3 is called, but that one's a heist movie. So I highly recommend this holiday season. Oh, I think oh. I've only seen the first two. I am a big fan of the Princess Switch universe. Oh my god. Yes, so good. I can't I like wait for the fourth one. Oh, they're making a fourth one now? Mm, well, they hinted at a fourth one at the end of the third one. So mm, okay. I hope. Netflix, I'll pay for that. Let's keep Vanessa Hudgens working. Booked and busy. <laughs> At all costs. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, after the failure of Rent Live, I, you know, that ended that ended live musicals forever. So we need to find a new way to employ her. And she's not getting that much money from her singular appearance on Drag Race. Yeah, no, it's definitely not enough. Uh, so they, but Giles and Amy go upstairs. Amy, obviously, in Catherine's body. And they break into 
Catherine's witchery room, uh, and it's it's real scary in there. Um, And they open up the uh, what's it called box, and a cat jumps out because she's a witch and she had a cat in a box. Yeah, I think that's animal cruelty. Why is the cat in a box? It's It's not okay. It's pretty fucked up, and that cat did not stick around, so it was clearly trying to get out. Obviously, yeah. We did not. This this might be a spoiler, but we did not see the cat again the rest of this episode. Oh my god! You know the the intro makes it seem like this cat might <laughs> might get adopted by Buffy and the the Slayerettes as like their little mascot, maybe even like a sixth main character in the opening credits and cat. But I guess we'll have to wait till the next episode to see if that comes to fruition. We will have to wait to see. I mean, at the very least, it seems like we'll be seeing it in the theme song every episode. For this, it's a season. great shot of the cat jumping out. They did a good job that way. That poor cat. Oh my god. Giles takes a look at all the different things on the walls. He sees a bunch of different Barbie dolls hanging. One, like we saw the ones we've seen already, and then we see another one that's like two of them together, wrapped around together, which I assume is the one that's causing the body switching spell i wait was it both barbies i really thought it was one barbie and then two heads i and i was horrified but i also am notoriously bad at seeing things on my tv so i would believe you if it was both barbies you know i'm not i think it's two like strapped together back to back but i Mm -hmm. you know i don't have it up in front of me right now and they're they find the spell book they go back downstairs and buffy has like fully passed out she's like gonna die it's not good they were taking their sweet time yeah it's like could have got the book and headed on home but they you know needed to look at all for the scary spells (laughs) well maybe they were looking for the cat maybe the cat was oh my god was needed I don't know. I think no, since we didn't see the cat again, but I like the theory. <laughs> well, they, they spent so much time looking for the cat and they couldn't oh find God. it. We'll be on the lookout for the cat going forward. Yes. Cat watch. Cat watch. <laughs> cat watch. <laughs> so far, we're one for three cat-wise on the Buffy episodes. Or three for three if you're counting the intro. <laughs> I mean that's up to you. This is your cat watch. Does that count? Because <laughs> I mean we could be we could be pretty set if uh, that counts, but otherwise it might not be excellent. Yeah, let us know in the comments how you think we should count the cat watch. Please do. Yes. Uh, back at school, Amy's cheering during the game. She's like, "Yeah, go Sunnyvale, go!" Spelling words, yay! Uh, and then she's, she's like. She is fully in her glory days. She is she is elated. All it took was killing three other girls. Uh, and so she's going off and then she's suddenly flashing, getting visions. Uh, Giles is somewhere doing a spell to reverse all of her spells. And so she like, uh, like I don't know, she, maybe she falls over. She, either way, mm. she like leaves because she's like, I got to stop this. And so she slams out of the gym. Um, and Giles is like, or no, Catherine's mom, you know, Amy and Catherine's body is like, she's coming. And Giles is like, Willow, Xander, go try to stop her. Just who you want to send to stop the witch in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the B team here, really. The C and D team, I would say, <laughs> trying to 
get in her way. Willow is like, hey, Amy, like, what's up? Let's talk. Like, we're in the hallway. Let's just like something. And just well, at some point she like uses the spell to get rid of somebody and then turns around and just like punches someone else in the face. God. She's on her way. She's not getting distracted. She's filled with rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If anything, I may have sent Cordelia after Amy because she seems to have some sort of power over Amy. She was so intimidated by her earlier this episode that she had to cast a spell on her. Amy isn't even thinking about Xander and Willow. Yeah, Amy dropped Willow after middle school for a reason. She doesn't want to talk to her. (laughs) Yeah, she wants to be popular. And Willow's not really helping her on her way to greatness there. Uh, (laughs) And so Giles locks the door uh, and just is continuing to cast a spell. He's got like a boiling bucket of water that he's like putting his hands in. Mm -hmm. And he's like, release! Uh, But Amy... (laughs) Amy like tries to open the door and it's like it's locked and so she gets this axe that's like a fire axe right next to the door um, and starts using it to open the door. You know, maybe this could have been an opportunity for some magic (laughs) and but she doesn't do that. She just like beats down the door and opens the door. She made her she got through that door. She maybe she had to she had to get through as quickly as possible. And maybe she didn't have a spell on the top of her head. And she needed a weapon so that she could kill them all. Yeah. yeah. Why use really, magic when an axe will do? She's really showing her versatility here. Like, She's raising her threat level. She's got magic and she's got physicality. She's um, not afraid to punch Sander in the face. She's not afraid to try to chop off Buffy's head. She's a triple threat. Hmm. So she gets inside, she starts, she's like about, she's trying to go uh, slice Buffy's head off, but at the same time, Giles finishes the spell and all of her spells are ended. So Buffy wakes up, Amy and Catherine have switched bodies again, so they're back to normal. Um, And Amy like realizes she's like back in her body and Buffy goes, Amy? And then Catherine like, Catherine in her back to her regular body starts striking out again and like she like tackles somebody she's like punching all over the place she's ready to go the violence is here uh and she is honestly sick to death of her daughter she does not want anything to get in her way at all yeah buffy and her fight for a little bit um it seems like Catherine's a really good witch it seems like she's real real powerful Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually she's like starting to cast a spell that's going to banish Buffy. Who knows what'll happen. And just at the last second, Buffy like chops down a vent or a mirror and it like flings down and reflects the spell back at Catherine. She gone. Yeah. No thoughts. Empty head. Uh, (laughs) yeah, literally (laughs) just kind of like, yeah. Action sequence to end the episode. She's gone. Uh, and then it just cuts to the next day and Amy and Buffy are talking in the school and Amy's like, oh my God, I'm back with my dad. He's so, he's like being a helicopter parent. Like he just won't even let me go out anywhere. He doesn't want to let me do anything. And um, Buffy's like, you're loving it, aren't you? And Amy's like, I am. They're going to make brownies together. Uh, wholesome stuff. 
she's gonna uh she's gonna eat a lot that she makes a comment about like gaining weight for the season or something mm -hmm. it, yeah mm -hmm. she, she says like i'm so glad to have my own body back back i think i might just get fat uh mm, because yeah. like i have control of it uh yeah and then they stop one last time at amy's mother's trophy and they're like yeah we don't know where she went the spell was as she said she'll never make trouble again and then it got reflected back to her who knows and it, we look back uh and we see the eyes of the trophy open and like they're screaming so amy's mom is stuck in the trophy she got exactly what she wanted yeah sort of be careful what you wish for she's stuck That's in her glory life. days she's in her trophy she is a cheerleader forever that kind of stuff but it, not in the way you might think she's back in high school forever yeah, yeah. seems like a cruel and unusual punishment though to be stuck in perpetuity inside the statue hey she tried to make buffy do that they could have just killed her they well i don't think they had the time i think it was like reflect the spell back quick before mm. buffy's gone for good they i don't think they would have they, they don't seem like murderers so far like they, they've killed vampires, vampires but yeah. that's, that's their demons you know it's different yeah. This uh, summary did not include a scene I'm seeing now that like when Joyce and Buffy are having their like heart to heart at the mm -hmm. end of the episode where mm -hmm. Joyce and Buffy's like, would you ever want to go back to high school? And Joyce is like, not if you paid me. Like she's like, <laughs> I have no interest in reliving my glory days. I'm sorry. I tried to make you like me uh, just like and they're Like it seems like they're back on a better path forward. Well, the thing is, I don't think Joyce, if she went back to high school, would be reliving her glory days. Yeah. Like, I think she, she's in her glory days right now. She's true. She's running a gallery. She's she's girl bossing. Um, yes. She's parenting as best she can. She's found um, her power post divorce. She's listening to tapes. She's yes. reading books about parenting. Uh, you know, yeah, I think that Joyce is much happier now than. She was in high school. And I'm with Joyce. I have no interest in being 16 again. Absolutely not. Uh, though that is a very good movie from my recollection. Uh, I mean, I also have seen it once when it was in theaters when I was a teenager. So mm, don't take critical analysis of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Joyce is like, I... I don't understand you because I'm not 16 and I wouldn't be 16 again even to understand you. Which is like, yeah so good i think that is yeah i think that that is a good message of, of of the potential messages for them to take away from this episode i guess that's as close as they can get yeah they're on the same page now yeah they're you know we're much we're in a much better place than we were at the beginning of this episode that you know we did we completed a whole scene without them sniping at each other so that's better than it's been so far yeah, ready for this growth journey. Maybe Joyce will become one of the Slayer Outs by maybe. the end of the series. Who knows? Uh, maybe. Her and Willow working together on their growth arcs. <laughs> I would like to see it. So that was Witch. Season Witch. 1, Episode 3. It was fine. <laughs> Normal. Yeah. Good at mm -hmm. Monster of the Week. I would say better than the second episode, but uh it, it doesn't beat the pilot for me and i think they still need to 
work on creating engaging action scenes and fight sequences. I feel like I'm not connecting with that part of the show yet. Yeah, I agree. I think that they need to find a better way of like weaving the character stuff into the action where mm -hmm. I feel like we've they've been pretty separate so far. And like once Amy, once Catherine and Buffy were fighting, like they were just kind of fighting. Whereas it's they could be having like back and forth talking while like striking at each other, but it's that mm -hmm. it, it, it's just like they they there were like a couple like witty moments where Catherine is like, "That's mine, that's my body, give it back." That kind of thing. And Buffy's like, "Grow up," like that kind of stuff. Where it's like <laughs> mm -hmm. on theme for the episode because she's like trying to be younger, blah blah blah. But it's not like Amy and Ka Amy and Catherine should have had like some kind of communique in this moment mm -hmm. but like it should have been at least in part amy's moment but it, amy kind of got forgotten after the body switch yeah they switch back and then buffy sends Catherine away and then amy never says goodbye in a meaningful way to her mom she just uh, now has only a dad instead of only a mom and she's told about it which i get and yeah. amy's kind of like all that time every time my dad would call my mom a witch i just thought that he was blah 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 but like there yeah there's no real uh mm -hmm. meditation on the loss yeah well she can visit her mom anytime she wants during the school day hmm. she's always watching uh oh, creepy so yeah that's the episode good stuff so let's move into our segments uh this week we're doing once again fashion moment kirsten what was the fashion moment of the episode for you I well for me always unless Buffy is wearing like a really long leather jacket it, I'm always fascinated by whatever Cordelia wears and I the scene in the locker room where she like slams the locker shut I feel like she's just so cute I like her skirt her shirt she's just so beautiful and put together it's all about Cordelia for me I think that makes sense Mike I was really drawn by Buffy's accessories this week in the scene where they were in the chemistry lab, like performing the is she a witch sort of rituals and subterfuge. She had these like really chunky, like neon pink rings on her hands. They looked like ring pops. It's like those aren't functional, but uh, they were in for the time. Love that. That's a good one. For me, the, Buffy in one scene was wearing this like white black circular patterned dress, uh, which I really liked the look of. She it, she just looked she looked good in it. It was just it was a nice pattern. I I don't know how to explain it all. I, in case you're not following us on Twitter, I am putting up pictures of all of our fashion moments uh, in response to the episode post, so you can see all of these if you look for us online. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was another good episode of fashion. It's always fun to see what these. I maybe, I mean, maybe our next episode will have to do uh, some costume people in our IMDb deep Ooh. dive look into them. Uh, just to sort of see what all they worked on because even when it's bad, it's interesting. Hundred percent. Um, moving on, biggest slay. What was everybody, Kirsten? What was the moment of the episode that made you go slay? Uh, so, okay, when they're all in the library after Cordelia has gone blind, Giles goes, why would anyone want to hurt Cordelia? And Willow says, maybe because they know her. And I was like, slay. Mm. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? <laughs> Mike, what was the moment of the episode that made you go, slay? 
Well, you were there when it happened, but when that cat jumped out of that chest, yes. that made me say slay. I'm ready, ready for the cat to join the slayerettes. Hope, Sam, I what hope... was your what was your biggest slay? Oh man, thank you for turning it around on me. Um, <laughs> I think that all of I think any spell that was cast, I you know, I love magic. And you know, I think the show could sustain like you were saying, could sustain itself for seven seasons just about slaying vampires. But I like the slay of enhancing the world and giving us more three-dimensionality to the supernatural stuff we will see. Learning more about who casts spells, how they cast spells, just seeing more um, non-vampire threats. It was the slay for me that it was a witch this time. Love that for us all. Okay, moving on. Xander Slander. Uh, you know, the more we watch, I'm just kind of like, this is kind of just something we hit on throughout the episode without a segment. <laughs> we could, it's kind of just like a theme. Um, Kristen, what was the worst Xander moment of the episode for you? So there were so many, but the one that we haven't talked about is when they're walking into the first tryouts, there's a girl doing the splits across the two chairs and he's like, Ooh, the super creepy. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm, yuck. Yeah. Hated him. Yeah, <laughs> Always. Hate him. <laughs> Mike? Yeah, to to sort of build off what the what was going on in that cheerleading tryout scene. Uh I guess this is more of a general men slander for the episode, but it was just very creepy seeing all the men like hanging out for the cheerleading tryouts and waiting in the bleachers. Like that's weird. That's creepy. If I was the the head cheerleader, I would have kicked them all out. Yeah. yeah, no, no one wants to be watched during a tryout. Yeah. And then they did. None of them did anything when the Laker girl caught on fire. Like True. If you're, if you're going to let these men in to watch your tryouts, you would hope one of them would save the Laker girl. No one was. No one was jumping to tackle her to the ground. So, Which I mean, I'm actually probably, surprised yeah. about. You know, maybe that's a compliment for the men that none of them uh, grabbed Laker girl. <laughs> I don't know that we should be complimenting any of the men in You're right. the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. You're right. I don't want to compliment men ever. <laughs> um, and then for me, I feel like his emotional awareness was just really poor this episode. Calling Willow a guy. And then, I mean, just his intelligence and in making Amy and Buffy think they were on the team. And then it was just, you know, a thing. Mm -hmm. It's just like, fuck you, dude. You did nothing in this entire episode and you don't deserve praise in the slightest for anything that happened at all ever in your life yeah moving on third segment we don't have a name for it yet uh but it, we're gonna talk through the people on the good side who who did the most to help who did the least to help and rank them you know we got the term slayer at something i will mm -hmm. working it out um i would for me i would say that giles did the most i was kind of expecting buffy to be the number one for most of the episodes or at least for the future, first couple episodes but giles was really killing it every time he knew how to cast spells he was the person who had all the information like we didn't even like he he had everything in this episode i would say he was number one for me yes. yeah he he still had a bad attitude um that we have to work on but he was quote unquote helpful in defeating the monster of the week. He saved Buffy's life. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then I would say Buffy and then yeah. 
huge gap, Willow and Xander. Can we add an additional gap between Willow and Xander, though? Because I Willow was above him, did the the searching. Also, we didn't mention that Xander has taken out every witchcraft book from the library. Yeah, uh, forgot about that. Which, like, why? Why would you? Why did you do that, Xander? I'm suspicious of his intentions. He wanted he met... to look at the half-naked engravings. Yeah, oh. he... he met Buffy and was like, I need to learn everything about the occult so I can be helpful. But mm -hmm. instead, he was more harmful. Yuck. And, you know, I, I feel like she's going to be sort of in and out of the rankings depending on the episode. But I would even put Cordelia in between Willow and Xander because unintentionally, she riled Amy up and was the reason why Buffy was on the lookout for a witch she sort of helped buffy and the slayer oh. to get like identify who the witch could be i appreciate that your cordelia standing is shining through already um i yeah you know i'm not gonna argue with no. cordelia being placed here above xander i, I love Put her that. in the rankings and widen <laughs> the gap between her and xander will xander ever get out of last place in the rankings not i don't know what we haven't seen it yet i don't know i don't know what he could possibly do to get him above last place it would have to be something very big and heroic we'll see um final segment meal of the week last week we did movie of the week uh i'm thinking i'm thinking about m words um so kirsten what was your favorite meal you ate this week oh my god um well... I, okay, I made a really delicious red sauce this week and had that with a bunch of veg in it with some nice bow tie pasta and some G bread and it was delicious. Sounds awesome. Yeah, that's mine. Mike? Um, well, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, we were staying with our friends in Baltimore um, and one of our hosts, Danny, made us pasta alla norma one night which is a sicilian pasta dish with uh like roasted up eggplants in the sauce Yum. it was delicious um yeah still thinking about pasta alla norma danny cooking in... for you the dream it was i mean got you gotta follow store-bought isn't fine on instagram uh danny is an incredible chef i was gonna say the exact same meal and you know I, hey the pasta was great I also made a really good salad to go with it. Just uh, shoot my own horn. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. Loved that meal of the week. Okay. Um, Kirsten, is there anything you would like to plug before we head on out of here? Thank you so much for being here. This was what a lovely time. Thank you for reaching out to Beyond. We'd yes. love to have you back. Uh, you know, if if we carry through the pilot segment of the show to uh, do more episodes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be the first guest. I'm sorry that I kept you from recording in the same room together. Uh, I hope you can forgive me. Uh, but yeah, uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, Bojack Horse Pod, we're talking about Toucan Birdie. Sam will be joining us soon, I hope, to come talk about that. Uh, Mess Magnets over on RHAP talking about pop culture, celeb gossip, trending topics. Uh, and this upcoming week, I am going to be on Rob Has a Podcast for the Feedback Show for the first time. So I'm really excited. Whoa. And hopefully people will check that out. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Congrats. That's amazing. I'm excited to hear that. 
I love I'm the scared. feedback show. <laughs> I'm so scared. Can we can we pre-save anywhere? Just uh, Rob has a podcast everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, any plugs? Uh, follow at Buffy Boyfriends wherever they can follow us. Is that Twitter? Do we yeah, have at Buffy yeah. Boyfriends on Twitter? At Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter. Um, maybe we'll have an Instagram page someday. I don't know. Um, but also on Instagram, I'm at Follow Slawless. Um, yeah, that's about it. Sam. Yeah, Slay. Uh, I'm Matt Sam Stanish everywhere. You can follow my other podcast at Bitter Jurors Pod everywhere, talking about Survivor. Uh, and yeah, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I think that's about everything. And so, yeah, Kirsten, thanks so much for being here. Synopsis thanks, for the next episode. In case I, I don't know, I don't think people really care that much. I could probably do this before the plugs go forward. Anyway, synopsis for the next episode A substitute teacher's infatuation with Xander is flattering to the lovesick teen, but alarming to Buffy. Episode that title seems... Teacher's Pet. That, that sounds bad all around. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not on that one. <laughs> Negative first uh, thoughts. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes when we get there. A very um, Riverdale plot. Really, every well, high school show. Yeah, you're right. Speaking of, Angel was not even in this episode. Not mentioned. Not a part of it. Wow. That's Where a, is he? That's a point for this episode. <laughs> oh, Another man. useless man. Couldn't have added anything. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kirsten, thanks again for being here. Slay.